Good morning. Thank you guys for being here this morning. Whether you've joined us here in the auditorium or you're online, we really do appreciate that you've taken the time to be with us here this morning. My name is Parker. I am blessed this morning to be here with Miss Roche. Jackie, as you know, has stepped up in many ways for us here at the church. And right now, she is working with Ivy Shulkers to cover our kids' ministry. And we're so thankful for that and uh, just want to thank you. So in the next three or four minutes, we're going to go through a couple of things happening here in the life of the church. But first, let me ask you, if you're new, if you haven't filled out one of these cards before, right in front of you or on that side panel there, you'll see a connection card. Would you fill that out for us and let us know that you're here? We'd just love to say hello to you and see if there's a way that we could connect with you. Uh, so please fill that out for us, and thank you guys very much for doing that. So a couple of things going on. First of all, I'm going to let you, Jackie, talk to sure. us. Sure. Oh, it is working. Fabulous. Um, I'm going to talk about a new group that we're starting, a new team for women, and it's called Alongside. And the whole concept here is that we're focusing on creating community for women. And so we have so many wonderful women who are a part of our church family Everyone has different spiritual gifts. We're all in different generations. And so the best way for us to disciple one another is to come together and to create events like our women's tea where we can all come together and enjoy fellowship and get to use all of our gifts um, for different things. We want to continue to build more events like that coming up. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're forming this group called Alongside. And the idea here is that this group of women will come alongside our staff and alongside one another to help create more opportunities for women in our church family to create community together, to disciple one another, and to offer outreach and events to other women in our community to get them alongside us as well. So if you are interested in joining us, we're having a meeting after service today. There will be lunch. Um, and so please come and join us and let us know if you're interested, even if you just want to hear what this is all about. Um, Victoria is going to tell us all about it, and it's going to be so much fun. And if you went to our tea um, in the spring, that was an incredible event, and we're doing another one for Christmas. Um, so if you're interested in hosting a table at the Christmas tea, please come to our meeting today for Alongside, because our Alongside group will be hosting the women's tea. So if you have any questions, you can ask me. Please come to um, the meeting after the um, service today and have lunch with us and hear what Alongside is all about. Thank you very much. Community is so important, and we're so excited to be starting this Alongside team. Thank you, Victoria, and to the team for all you guys are doing. Another key way, actually, the core way that we get together in community, there are two ways. One is through this service, through the worship service each Sunday morning. Another is through small groups. Arguably the first Christian group, small group, that ever came together was started by Jesus. So in Mark 3.13, Jesus called 12 together that he might feed into them, that they might form a community together, that they might grow together, and he might teach them all that they needed to know so that they could grow and go out. So fantastic from Mark 3.13. Now in John 13, Jesus says, how will people know us? By the way, we love each other. By the way, we take care of each other. So we have to have community and work together and be together. And finally, in Hebrews 10, gosh, we're encouraged. 
meet together, encourage one another, and don't stop meeting together. So I just want to encourage you, if you're in a small group, please reach out and let people know that you have a group that is meeting together, that is growing together, that is building community together. If you're not in a small group, seriously think about this. We're going to be talking about it over the next few weeks. You're going to see amazing examples of life that has been changed, of people growing in small group and growing together in community. No longer can you say, I'm too busy. There's just no way this works for me. Because we have small groups that are meeting where you are. Day, night, very frequently, not so frequently, going to dinner. There is a way that you can connect with a small group. So I would ask you to prayerfully consider small group, and we'll be talking about that more in the future. So how else could we get together in camp? Are you going to camp? Parker, are you going to camp? I'm going to camp. I have this nice hunter safety orange shirt here, so you can't miss me if you want to come talk about camp. Um, camp is coming up. It's less than a month away, and it's going to be so much fun. But most importantly, this is a huge investment in your family. When your kids come here on Sunday mornings, we are discipling them and investing in them. But we want to teach you how to disciple your whole family. And so we're going to do that together. Um, and so what better way than to get away from all of the distractions out in the middle of the woods and um, get to enjoy time together building fellowship with our church family, and also learning how to disciple our own families and just be together. And I think this is going to be a great opportunity for us to bond and really have a lot of fun together. I had the opportunity to go to Passion Camp with our students back in July, and that was a huge bonding experience for our students, but also for our leaders, for the adults that went. We had a lot of fun together. We learned a lot about one another. We have this like bond now, all of us that went to camp, and we were able to disciple one another and have fellowship. And so I kind of feel like those of us that go to camp, we're going to have the same experience because you're all together and there's no distractions. And so it's just the opportunity to come together, use our spiritual gifts and disciple one another and disciple our families. So this is going to be a huge investment in your own family and in all of our church families to help us grow stronger so that we can reach more people in this community for Jesus. So please go online and register your family. And if you have any questions, you can find one of us in the bright orange shirts, and we will answer any of your questions or help you um, get registered for camp. Thank you, Jackie. And guys, please join with us this morning as we welcome to the stage our pastor, Dave Ackerman. Thank you, Parker and Jackie. My name is Dave, and I'm the campus pastor here at our World Golf Village campus. And it's awesome to see all of you here. Now listen, as Jackie was talking about camp, I, I don't want you to get the wrong idea. We're not going to be in tents. We're going to be at Southwind. It's a Young Life camp, and it's amazing. And because it's amazing, there is a cost involved. And so when you register, you'll see that there's a cost involved for you. There's one price for adults and one price for your kids. Go online and consider the investment. It's going to be an amazing, amazing uh, weekend. And uh, I, I'm really looking forward to being with you guys at Southwind here in a couple weeks. Hey, grab your Bible and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we're going to keep our, going in our study of 2 Timothy. Oh, wait, before we do that, hey, today's a super special day. We have some folks coming to join the church. I almost forgot that. Where are they? Dan, Sierra, are y'all in here? Oh, great. 
There they are. I couldn't see you. So uh, Dan and Sierra came to the Discover Good News class on, uh, on Wednesday. We had a great time. And uh, they shared their faith with me. And now they're coming to profess their faith publicly and, and join the church. And it's awesome. This, Dan is the taller one. And Sierra <laughs> is uh, the, the, the other. So let me ask you these questions. Never use adjectives when referring to a woman. So it's just very important. Okay. Do you acknowledge yourselves to be sinners in the sight of God, justly deserving his wrath and hopeless without his mercy? And do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior of sinners? And do you trust him alone for salvation as he's offered in the gospel? And do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will seek to live as followers of Christ should? And do you promise to support the church and its worship and work to the best of your ability? And do you submit yourselves to the government and discipline of the church and promise to promote its purity and peace? Let me pray for you. Jesus, these uh, vows are amazing and, and they're impossible unless your Holy Spirit gives us the desire and the power to do them. And so, Lord, we want to be a church that Uh, We are involved with one another's lives for the long haul so that uh, so that can happen. We lock ourselves in with these vows. And so I pray that you would give Dan and Sierra the grace to fulfill the promises they've made to you and your people today. And Lord, I pray that you would stir up in them those spiritual gifts that you would use to enable us to reach and transform more people and to make disciples together, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, make them feel welcome. Thanks, guys. If you're uh, interested in learning more about membership at Good News or what we're about as a church, our next Discover Good News class will be uh, in September, on September the 20th. Okay, now we'll give attention to God's Word and Apologize for that, but here we go. 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 7. Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me, as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active duty entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. The word of God. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. And we ask that you would open our ears to hear it and our hearts to obey it. Lord, lead us by your Holy Spirit into life with you. We've said to you this morning in song, here's our heart. So, Lord, now in prayer we say it again. Here's our heart, Lord. 
We ask that you would lead us and guide us and help us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this week uh, in the Wall Street Journal, there was an article about Planet Fitness. Any of y'all members of Planet Fitness? Planet Fitness did a uh, promotion and they gave during the summer months, they gave free memberships to young people, to students who wanted to be a part of the gym for the summer. It didn't go the way they thought. I mean, in part it did. I mean, they had over 2 million young people who became a part of Planet Fitness. But there was some failures in communicating what was happening. And so some of the members became upset. Here's what the article says. It says, they leave equipment in the wrong place and wear jeans and Crocs on the treadmill. I mean, what else would you wear on the treadmill? They take too long to use machines because they're distracted by their phones. Here's one member's estimate. If you watch one more TikTok without doing one crunch, I'm going to lose my mind. So what was the problem? Was the problem geography? No. Over two million young people got involved. They, they moved into the geography of Planet Fitness. But geography wasn't the problem. Maybe the problem was they just didn't understand the rules. And so what Planet Fitness needs is they need more posters. No Crocs and jeans on the treadmills. Would that work? Or maybe... Maybe it's a, it's a knowledge problem, that what they need is they need to give every person who joins the gym a book, a manual on kinesiology and, and on, on how the body moves and works, on, on our uh, anatomy and physiology and on nutrition. That's the problem. It's an information problem. Would that work? Well, in the article, they bury the lead and in the last paragraph of the article, they actually say what the problem was. And the problem is trainability. In Pasadena, Maryland, Anakin Norton, 14, Anakin, of course his name is Anakin. Anakin Norton, 14, uses his summer pass to train for wrestling and says he minds his manners and works out alone. You see, the problem wasn't geography or the rules or knowledge. The problem was trainability. And Anakin, Anakin shows that when you have a purpose, if your purpose is to train, in his case, for wrestling, then everything else flows from that. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at the issue of trainability. Many years ago, John Wooden, the Hall of Fame coach of the UCLA Bruins, John Wooden said that rare is the college athlete who can get the most from his ability without a coach to push him and a team to encourage him. Rare is the college athlete who can get the most out of his ability without a coach to push him and a team to encourage him. You see, for us to become trainable, for us to become trainable, we need to understand what Jesus, 
what Jesus does to enable us to go into training in his school. Many years ago, we had this dog. His name was Dude, and he was a yellow lab. And for a while, I started thinking that maybe Dude can't hear me. So one day, Sue Ellen came home, and I was walking behind Dude with my pot in, in this wooden spoon, whacking the pot to see if Dude could hear me. Dude didn't have any trouble hearing me. He could hear just fine. Dude's problem wasn't with his hearing. Dude's problem was that he just wasn't trainable. When, when we got Dude, they told us, oh yeah, he's two or three. That dog was eight or 10. <laughs> and he just was not trainable. He was a good dog, but not trainable. And I thought, maybe he's deaf. He wasn't deaf. But that's exactly what our problem is. See, our problem isn't our hearing. Our problem is our heart. Our problem is our heart. And so in 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, it says this, The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. When Paul says that word, heard, that word for hearing is a kuo, and it means far more than just hearing with the anatomy of our ears. It's speaking of our willingness not only to hear, but to heed what the Bible says. Not only to hear with the anatomy of our he ears, but with the organ of our heart, the center of our being to be controlled by Christ and, and his purposes so that we would enter into training not only by hearing the word, but by doing the word. And isn't that what James, isn't that what James taught in J James chapter 1, verse 22? Prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. That if we're going to be trainable, we're going to be trainable, we have to hear, hear with our hearts, hear the message of the gospel inside so that we would then be willing to enter into the school of Jesus, the school of Jesus. No one in 2 Timothy 2 illustrates this better than the good soldier, the good soldier. In verse 4, no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. You see the phrase, active service? That phrase, active service, means that we've been enlisted in an army, not in peacetime, but in wartime. That we've been enlisted in wartime and knowing that we're engaged in a mission during wartime changes everything. Many years ago, they were training soldiers during peacetime. And the instructors were, were so frustrated because none of the soldiers who had enlisted in the army were paying attention to their training officers. Why should they? After all, it was peacetime. 
But oh, just a few years later, when it was wartime and the bullets were flying, oh, those soldiers, those soldiers leaned in. They paid attention. There was a different attitude to their PT. There was a different disposition to the way they obeyed their commanding officers because now their lives and the lives of their friends were at stake. Oh, dear people, we are engaged in wartime operations under the authority of our King, King Jesus. And to the degree that you understand the situation that we find ourselves in, you will lean in to training in his school. You will lean in to listening with your heart because you will know, you will know that your life and the life of your friends is at stake. And not just their life now, but our lives for all eternities are at stake into, in what we do with King Jesus. Now, Paul goes on and he speaks of the soldier and he says the soldier is in active service and the soldier seeks to please the one who enlisted him. So we serve at the pleasure of our king. King Jesus. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul says this about our love relationship with Jesus. In Colossians 1, okay? Nope. Gave it one more glance. Okay, Colossians 1 says that we work to please him. Do we have it yet? Nope. Colossians 1, verse 10. For this reason, uh, so that you will walk, nope, well, you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to do what? To please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now what that verse teaches is that when Jesus Christ moves in, a new motivation rises up in our lives. Not to do merely our duty, but to delight in pleasing the Lord. Why? Because we've come to know him. We've said yes to following him. And we come to understand what he has done for us. Now to understand Jesus' school of discipleship, we need to understand the invitation that he makes. In Mark chapter 4, verse 19, we're told that Jesus called a group of fishermen to follow him. In his life and ministry, he, made a he took a decisive and bold move to ask a group of fishermen to follow him based on what they had come to learn and understand by being with him for over a year. They were now adequately equipped to understand who he was and what he was up to in the world. And so 
they are invited to take another step in following him. Matthew chapter 4. Now Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now many times we read that story and we forget that Peter and Andrew and James and John had been with Jesus for over a year learning who he was and what his purpose in the world was. And so when they said yes to following him, they were doing that based on information that they had received. And they understood that what Jesus' intention was was that they would follow him and learn how to live his life, his kind of life. And so in Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6, verse, um, <laughs> verse 40, golly, Luke 6, 40, a pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone, after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. Now, the disciples understood that Jesus' intention was that they would become fully trained. And when they heard that phrase, fully trained, they knew what he was saying. Because the word Jesus used to describe a person who's fully trained is the word katartidzo. And it's the same word that describes what a fisherman does when he mends his nets. So the very thing that the disciples were doing on the day when they, he, they were called to follow Jesus, they were mending their nets. And Jesus says that you are going to be fully trained, catartizo. I'm going to move into your life. And, and just like you have learned to prepare your nets for fishing, and just as you have learned to repair your nets for a catch, I'm going to move into your life and I'm going to prepare you for ministry and I'm going to repair. Don't miss that. That Jesus' intention in inviting us to follow him and be trainable is not just to change our outward behavior. His intention is to move into the center of our hearts and change the motives of our hearts, the desires of our hearts, the interests of our hearts, so that we would be changed by him from the inside out. And the only thing that can change our hearts is when we hear and understand the gospel. Many years ago, George W. Bush was, was asked during a presidential debate what is one person who has changed your life? And George W. Bush's answer to that question was so honest 
He said, Jesus Christ, because he changed my heart. When I heard George Bush say that, I, I wept. Not, not because he is somebody that I particularly looked up to or admired, but I just appreciated the fact that he was honest. He wasn't currying favor with a particular party or a particular group of people. He just was honest off the cuff saying, Jesus Christ changed my heart. Nothing else could do it. Nothing else could move in and change me from the inside out. He is the only one. Has he done that for you? See, Jesus Christ, I'm convinced, is worth following with everything you have because only Jesus Christ can move in and change your heart. You know what changes our hearts? The gospel. The gospel is what changes our hearts. And this week, as you've been reading in 2 Corinthians, you read the, the gospel, maybe some of the most summarizing, most beautiful verses about the gospel in all the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Would you like to have a chance at a do-over? Would you like to, to be a new person, to have a new set of drives and, and a new set of interests and a new set of motivations? Would you like to be trainable? Jesus can move in and change your heart. Jesus can move in and give you a chance at a fresh, brand new start. And how does he do that? He does that through his work for us on the cross. He made him who knew no sin to be sin so that our, on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, there's an exchange that happens in the gospel. Our sin, the things that we've thought and said and done that break God's heart, and the things that we've left undone that, that would have been a blessing to God and to others, the Bible calls that sin. And, and the gospel, the good news, is not that we try harder to do better. That's religion. The gospel is that God takes our sin and puts it on Jesus and punishes him in our place. And then God takes the righteousness of Jesus, his perfect record of obedience, and he transfers it to us. So that now when God looks at us, he sees us covered in the righteousness of Jesus. And he says, I'm pleased with you because I'm pleased with my son, your savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, have you ever made that exchange? Your sin put on Jesus and his righteousness given to you? Has Christ moved into the center of your life? Have, have you ever admitted to him, Jesus, I admit that I've sinned against you in many ways and I'm sorry. Jesus, I believe, I believe you lived the life I should have lived and you died the death I deserve to die. You rose again from the dead and, and now 
I commit, come into my life as Savior and Lord and help me become the person you want me to be. Have you ever told him that? Won't you today? And listen, if you have, do you know that that makes you a follower of Jesus? That Jesus' intention, on the day that you made that commitment to him, his intention was to move in. Not just to give you the gift of eternal life, someday when we die we'll go to heaven. Well, we will, and that is good news. But his intention is to move in. To move in to the center of our life. And to enable us to enter into his training program so that we would begin to think like him and act like him, believe like him. Oh, dear people, a soldier, a soldier in active duty lives to please his commanding officer and there's no commanding officer better than King Jesus. In Stephen Ambrose's account of Easy Company, Band of Brothers, his account of Easy Company tells the story of, of this uh, battalion of soldiers in, in the Airborne Division, and they, during World War II, and they're in training. And there's two men that are contrasted in the story of this Easy Company. One is Captain Sobel, and he is a jerk. He's a really good trainer, but he's not a very good commander. And he, Sobel is hated by the men. And then there's Lieutenant Winters, and Lieutenant Winters is beloved by the men. And when they get to England, and they're prepared to go into combat, the non-commissioned officers get together and they say, we cannot go into batter, battle under Sobel. We'll all die. He's a lousy commander. And the person over the, that division of the army, they send Sobel back to a training facility and they put in charge another man. Uh, but the men, the men are following Winters. Because they know he loves them, and he cares for them, and he will lead them. Jesus, Jesus is the best leader. He's the best commander. He's the best king. Because Jesus, Jesus never asks us to do anything that he hasn't been willing to do himself. The book of Hebrews says he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. That his entire life was a preparation for the cross. From the moment that he was conceived in the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit, his whole life, Nine months in the womb, are you kidding me? His whole life was a preparation for the day when he would be obedient to the Father by giving his life to pay the ransom price for many. If that includes you, then your good king, the king of kings and lord of lords says, follow me, follow me, won't you? Now, in my own life, when I became a follower of Jesus, I was a sophomore at Presbyterian College, and I heard the gospel, and I responded to the gospel, and I said, Jesus, come into my life as Savior and Lord. And the 
The man who led me to faith in Christ was a friend named Gene. And the next day, I came to faith in Christ on a Thursday night. And the next day, on Friday afternoon, Gene and I sat down in his dorm room with our Bibles. And he began to show me how to read the Bible and how to pray. And eventually, he would share with me how to share my faith. And, and he helped me get involved in a local church. And, and he helped me learn to to live as a follower of Christ can. He taught me about the power and work of the Holy Spirit who would move in to give me the desire and the power to live as a follower of Christ. He, he taught me about the importance of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for Gene. But you know, Gene didn't come up with that plan or that idea. Gene just did what Jesus did. And he did what Paul said Timothy should do. The things you've heard from me, entrust. Entrust to faithful men. Robert Coleman, in his book, The Master Plan of Evangelism, says this. The method of Jesus was more than a continuous sermon. It was an object lesson as well. There was the seek, that was the secret of his influence and in teaching. He did not ask anyone to do or be anything which first he had not demonstrated in his own life, thereby not only proving its workability, but also its relevance to his mission in life. And this he was able to do because he was constantly with his disciples. His training classes were never dismissed. Everything which he said and did was a personal lesson in reality. And since the disciples were there to notice it, they were learning practically every moment of their waking day. How else will his way ever be learned? It's good to tell people what we mean, but it's an infinitely better to show them. People are looking for demonstration, not an explanation. And so Jesus... Jesus says that those who enter into his training program should seek by his help to become teachers. Teachers who will be able to train, to teach others also. To do what he did, to invite people to come and be with me and, and learn from me. Now did Jesus' strategy work? Did Jesus' strategy for, for world evangelization, did it work? Well, in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, we read this. That the men who had been with Jesus, the men who had been with Jesus as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Did it work? Yes. Peter and John are able to, to proclaim the gospel to the religious leaders in Jerusalem. And as they looked at their life, they said, hey, did these guys enter into your school? Were these guys rabbis of yours? Nope. Mine neither. And then they saw. They didn't graduate with PhDs from any of the seminaries in town. No, they had been with Jesus. That's his strategy for training. Come and, 
and follow me. Come and be with me. Let me teach you what life is really like. So our action step for this week is to be trainable. Be trainable. Now the church, the church can often be a lot like Planet Fitness. The church can be a lot like Planet Fitness. And listen, if you've been burned by churches in the past, you've gotten involved in a church, and then you felt judged by the church. You're walking on your spiritual treadmill in your Crocs and jeans, and somebody points it out. says, man, look at that guy. He's wearing Crocs and jeans. And in shame, you rush out of the church never to come back. Listen, the church has often hurt people because we've been like Planet Fitness. We've moved too quickly from directing people to delegating to people. Now, this uh, comes from Ken Blanchard, the one-minute manager, and Randy Pope, who's a PCA pastor in the same denomination as us, Presbyterian minister in Atlanta, pastor of Perimeter Church for many, many years, Um, uh, Randy Pope helped me see that we do this. I have done this. I have inspired people, directed people, given people encouragement. Live for Jesus. You've heard me. And then I've been surprised that when I put it in your hands to do it, you end up disappointed and disillusioned Because those two boxes, directing and delegating, are just two of four critical steps that have to be taken in training people to follow Jesus. There's two others that are critical, and they're coaching and supporting. That when a church has all four, directing, coaching, supporting, and delegating, directing, coaching, supporting, and delegating. When all four are happening at the same time, now we're training. Now we're training. And so at Good News, we want to be able to direct, coach, support, and delegate. How do we do that? Well, to direct, we have to help people see, we have to help people see what to do and why to do it. Tell me what and tell me why. And what directs us ultimately is the Bible, the Word of God. Tell me what the Bible says and tell me why I should obey it. And then people need to be coached. Show me how and do it with me. That's what Gene did with me many, many years ago. Gene not only told me what and why, but he showed me how, and he did it with me. And then we need to support one another. That a training program, a training ministry, a training church supports people. Get me started and keep me going. Get me started and keep me going. And then, and then delegate. Let me do it. Let me do it. Now, over the last year or two, we've developed a tool called the map. And the map is designed to take all four of those steps to delegate and coach and support 
to, sorry, to direct, coach, support, and delegate, to produce disciple makers who can make disciples. The map is designed to, to help you have a tool. But listen, you know what enables us to use the map? It's Jesus when he moves in. So, so if you want to take a step in being trained, if you want to take a step in being trained by Jesus, what would it look like? What would it look like? Well, it would start by asking Jesus. Jesus, could you move in? Could you move into my life and, and make me trainable? Because the only thing, we only do what we want to do. We only do what we want to do. And so Jesus, change my want to. Change my want to. Help me to see that, that my life is really being lived in wartime and it's desperately important that I get trained. Jesus, help me to see that you're the master trainer. Move in and help me to see who you are and what you've invited me to do in this world. Jesus, I need your help. If you don't show up and help me see, I won't see. If you don't show up and help me hear with my heart, I won't hear. So ask, ask Jesus. And then seek, seek. Seek the fellowship the community of a group of people who want to go somewhere with Jesus. Seek the fellowship of a small group. Seek the fellowship of a mature follower. Seek the fellowship of a group of people who want to go through the map together and see what it means to, to believe in Jesus and be built up in that belief, to, to be equipped to tell others about Jesus and to provide a place for us to care for one another. Listen, if you're willing to seek, if you're willing to seek, raise your hand and come talk to me. If you're willing to seek, mark it on your card. If you're willing to seek, send me an email or a text message. If you're willing to seek, say, I want to have lunch with you and find out more about how to become a follower of Jesus. If, if you're willing to seek, if you will, he will. He'll answer that prayer and he'll give you a person in your life who who will help you become a follower of Jesus. And then knock. Ask and then seek and, and, then, and then knock. What would you need to receive from Jesus in order to take that step? What would you need to receive from Jesus? Would, would you need to know that you're forgiven? You can. You can know that you're forgiven. Some of us don't step out in following Jesus because we're afraid that, that if anybody finds out that particular sin struggle of our life, then, then they won't want us to be a follower. You need to believe the gospel. That Jesus has done everything necessary to make it possible for God to forgive you. Do, do you need to know that you have a new status in Christ? You do. You're a new creation, and you're a son or a daughter of the King of Kings. What would happen if you received that into your life? Do you need to know that you're not alone? You're not. Jesus has given his Holy Spirit. You're never alone. So you can. You can take a step. You can take a step to be trainable this week. Let's pray. Jesus. Jesus, move in. 
Jesus, I pray that you would be lifted up as the one king worth following with everything that we have. Jesus, I, I pray that, that we would give up man-pleasing uh, religion and, and, and we would embrace the gospel. Have you? Listen, Jesus is here. Won't you say to him now, Jesus, I admit that I've sinned against you in many ways and I'm sorry. Jesus, I believe that, that you lived the life I should have lived. You died the death I deserve to die. You rose from the dead. Jesus, come into my life as Savior and Lord. Help me become the person you want me to be. Jesus, you... We're willing to enroll us into your school. And Jesus, you said that, that we could come to you and take your yoke upon us and, and learn from you. And so I pray. I pray that we could be amongst those who say yes to enrolling in your school of training. Jesus, bring a person into each one of our lives who, who want to, to come alongside and help us learn from you how to live as a follower of Christ can. And bring people into our lives that we can then help train and equip to live as your followers. Lord, we can't if you won't help us. So we ask you to do that and pray in your name. Amen.